to this week's views from the 573 podcast. Hope you all are doing well on this Thursday. We're headed towards the, the end of another week, headed towards the weekend. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Big day in sports yesterday with a couple of big time things happening. Of course, NBA playoffs still going on. All that good stuff. We had a few closeouts last night. We'll discuss them. We got a few possible close. We got a couple possible closeout games tonight, with the Lakers on the brink of elimination, the Blazers on the brink of elimination. We're getting closer to the second round. We're going to talk about these series and where they stand as of now, and of course all the big stuff that happened yesterday. We'll also probably be doing an entertainment pod tomorrow, where I'm going to see Corella later today. I already already saw a Quiet Place. Part two, there's a couple other stuff on the entertainment side that we should talk about before the week is done. Again, my thoughts on. And then I'm headed out for a vacation on Saturday. So, probably not going to be a pod next week on the entertainment side. The views pod might be a different story. I'll have to see how Matt's schedule works out and if we're going to do what we talked about, whether he, if he's going to take reins of the pod next week and do a little thing for. Oh, on the pod and that'll be the views pod next week so we'll have to see how that goes but if not no pods next week but we'll be back the week after i'm going to knoxville you know i'm going to try out for the tennessee team we'll see how it goes probably not likely not anything good going to happen but that's when we'll be back talking about i'm sure we'll be in the second round of the nba playoffs by that point so we'll talk about all the storylines going about that uh, when that time comes. So with that said, let's get things started. Let's talk about something that just dropped this morning. And this is pretty interesting. If you guys don't know, there's a spring football league that I discovered that's still going on. It's going on on FS1. And I just found out about found out about a couple days ago, of course. We've had the XFL last year and how that went. Now, it looks like another football league is making a comeback. The USFL, United States Football League, planning a comeback in the spring of 2022. Fox is going to be its broadcasting partner. In this athletic article, it sounds like they are going to be looking to capitalize on the nostalgia factor by retaining the rights for key team names from the 1980s version of the team of the league. The goals for the, its league to include eight teams. And it looks like that they are going to, it looks like they are going to be, I don't know what's going to happen with the XFL. I wonder if they're going to be competing with them or if the XFL is coming back. If you remember a while back, it looked like The Rock was trying to buy the XFL. I don't know if that ever went through. I forget if that ever went through. So this league is looking like it's going to be starting next spring and it's going to be another different type of sport uh, football league to watch and keep an eye on see what happens see if college players take advantage of it high school players maybe taking advantage of it it'll be uh interesting and if you remember from the uh, from the league from that's from this league that started in 1983 at, at 12 teams so four more teams than it's going to have now and it 
had some had some pretty good talent. You know, Steve Young, Jim Kelly, ever heard of them? A couple Hall of Famers right there. So this will be interesting to see how this takes place, how this forms, how it evolves over the next few months, and see who all is going to get involved, what players are going to get involved. Again, it goes back to, like, would college players think about doing it to get paid? High school players, maybe? I, I'm probably doubting some of that, as, you know, with college, we're, the, we're getting the name, image, likeness stuff. That stuff is coming down, and that stuff is coming down here pretty quickly to think about it. It's coming down here within the next month, and, you know, we've had all these states pass their own laws, could... Congress and do something where like it's a countrywide thing. I don't know. It, it could be something where we could see some college players maybe take advantage of that. And you know, you know, screw it. I'm just gonna go here and become a pro already. So the USFL coming back another fo- another football league making a comeback here. So there's that. And sticking with football, nothing new as far as I know on the Julio front. I did see something where it seems like the Rams and Ravens might be out of it. And there's been a lot of rumors swirling that my Titans are are zoning in on acquiring Julio Jones. And, of course, June 1st, this week was probably the first real week where the Falcons could trade Julio with his cap situation. And... If the Titans are it, they're going to have to figure out some stuff of how to work the cap out. I think one easy solution that I've read is, you know, restructure Tannehill's contract. Easy thing to create money with. Boom. You got your money. Go get Julio. And I don't think they're going to be overpaying. It's Of course, the rumor has it that he's been offered. No, the first round pick has been offered for him. I don't think Robinson would do that. He's not going to overpay for him. So, if the Titans are it. They're not going to overpay for him. Easy way to get that money in. Maybe restructure Julio's deal a little bit. And restructure Tannehill's deal where it it creates a whole lot more money for them to bring him into their salary cap and have that be an easy fit. So there's the football side of things. Let's talk some basketball. And talk about basketball for the rest of this podcast we will. Because... There's a whole lot of things that went on yesterday. And let's start with the college ranks. And this one came down a little bit after the big news in the NBA world yesterday. But we're going to discuss it first here. And that is, listen, Coach Krzyzewski is one of the best coaches of college basketball history, maybe American sports history with what he's done in the sport with the way he's done with the USA Olympic team and the success he's had on both fronts with college players and NBA players. There's a reason why the guy holds a lot of records in college basketball. Well, yesterday he's announcing that after the 21-22 season, he's going to be stepping down. Assistant coach John Shayer, who has been brought up as a guy uh, as a guy that has a lot of success on the recruiting road 
he's going to be looked at as a successor, and he's going to be taking over next season. And you know, my first thought that came to mind when thinking of this is like, we're really entering a new era where when Coach K officially retires and Chair officially takes the title of head coach within a year of each other, North Carolina and Duke will have new head coaches, which I thought was pretty wild to think about. They're making head coaching moves a year apart. Two legendary coaches are stepping away. It's going to be a new time for Duke and North Carolina. So bring some new blood to the rivalry with the coaches. It's going to be interesting. Uh, As far as Coach K, one thing that you did see him do over the last several years is he did become adjusted to the one-and-dones where he brought in a lot of them. That was Zion, Brandon Ingram, the last couple years. I know they had a little bit of a tough time last year, and one thing that he's harped on about is the transfer portal rule where you have thousands of guys in the transfer portal where it really kind of hurts if you're looking at it. Yes, it's a great benefit, but there's such a thing as oversaturation where you just have these bunches of players like, where are you going to end up, you know? Maybe the situation you had wasn't as bad. And now, where you are now, it's not going to be as good as it once was. Because the market's oversaturated. There's probably players better than you. And I get where Coach K is coming from with that. I get where he's coming from with that. I don't think he's necessarily wrong. There's a benefit to the transfer portal, but at the same time, it does hurt. It does hurt some players. And it hurts some teams too. Like just this past offseason, I believe he had four players enter the portal. And it's got over thousands. So you can see where the problem is and see where he has issues with it. But other than that, it's going to be so weird not to see Coach K, Coach Duke anymore. Not seeing him on the sidelines with the Cameron Crazies. It's going to be incredibly strange to see two pretty fairly new coaches at both Carolina and Duke. Of course, the USA Olympic team, they've moved on. Pop is now the coach there. So not having to worry about taking a transition there. But I think if if you think about it, He said so, uh, he has he's had so much of an impact on the college game, the pro game. Like the way you hear all the pro players talk about him. Like it's just incredible to, to hear them talk about him. And so hopefully after so many years of coaching, he's nearly 75 years old. He he, he deserves to take some he deserves this. He has a year you know, I'm glad that he's not retiring right away. I'm glad that he's given it one more year, see what he can do. You know, I'm, I want to take a look at his recruiting class and see if there's possibly a chance that he can maybe go out with a bang, go out win the title. But I think this is the way you would want him to go. One last year, one last chance to go and 
try to do something amazing with this incoming crop of Duke players. So let's take a look at who they all have coming to their squad. Let's see, 2021. This is not, not a bad group of players that are coming in with Paulo Banchero, AJ Griffin, Trevor Keels, Javen Blakes. You got a couple of transfers coming in as well, a couple of decent transfers. So we'll have to see how Duke performs this year, but I think this team will definitely want to go all out for Coach K, especially some of those that have been there a couple of years already and really want to make this a really good final year form and you know i just i saw this comment on twitter the other day you know that share is really good <laughs> it's not good following up a coach that has been this legendary that has been this great Shayer's gonna have a tough time and i saw a comment you know he's gonna have the worst job in sports college sports that is up until who, who, up until Nick Saban, him announcing his retirement, and Alabama replacing him, and that, that's that's so true. That's so true. It's it's hard to replace legendary coaches like this, and I feel bad for Shayer who's coming in to replace Coach K, and I'm gonna feel bad for whoever has to replace Saban because oh boy. <laughs> what a what a couple legacies to live up to right there. So, Coach K, he's retired, and hopefully he has a good final season there at Duke. Moving on to the NBA, talking about the big news that happened in the NBA with Danny Ainge stepping down from the president of basketball operations, retiring, and Brad Stevens is going to be taking over that same role. Now, of course, we're going to talk about, you know, what this means for Stevens, what this means for the Celtics going forward with the head coaching spot. Let's start with Stevens for a little bit. There's, in watching some talk shows and people talking about it, it's it's been this feeling that you might be getting burned out a little bit as head coach. With the front office role, you're not going to be necessarily as burned out as you are coaching. Now, given there's going to be a lot more stuff you're going to have to deal with with this new role, but you're not going to be coaching the sidelines every day or almost every other day. And also, there's some college teams that are taking some runs at Brett Stevens. So what's one way to keep them is to promote them, give them a role like this, say, hey, you can't touch them. And the only way he would go back to coaching, I think, is if it's a place he'd really want to go they give him an enormous contract and he's ready to move on and try something new and maybe go back to college or something like that but they do keep Red Stevens in this organization he's a bright coach bright person as far as basketball related stuff is concerned you keep him in the Celtics family you keep him there and now the Celtics have to go hire a new head coach, and maybe that's what the Celtics need, a new voice. You've had Stevens there for the last eight years. Listen, what Stevens done, it was remarkable 
to see what he's done. He brought that team to three conference finals. Almost over half his tenure there, they went to the conference finals. Of course, they ran to LeBron a few times. Yeah, Gordon Hayward get hurt early in his Celtics career. Kyrie, it, it just wasn't a fit with him and Boston. But yet they still made the three conference finals and they found two young stars and have a really good dynamic duo with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. And also, let's give Danny Ainge some credit over his tenure at Boston. He's made some really unbelievable trades. He's straight up fleeced a couple teams, including mine. But you think about to the Kevin Garnett trades, both trading for him to get the title there, along with him, with him, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, that group, and then trading him to Brooklyn, getting a lot of those assets to which led to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and all of them. Then you think about the Jason Tatum trade, where they traded down from one to three and still got probably the best player in that draft at number three while accumulating more capital. So, not too shabby, I don't think. Making a lot of trades like that. He did bring a championship to Boston. And for Boston, that's a big thing, but... It, and Boston has high standards. And, you know, I, I'm seeing some people talk about, like, you know, whether this was a failure and not making a title. I mean, in some ways, yes. But in some ways, with all the stuff that, that I mentioned to you with Hayward getting hurt so early in his Celtics career, Kyrie and Boston not fitting well together, all that stuff to do what they did, it's not too bad. They get a couple of young stars to build around where there's a little bit of a foundation. Now you just got to figure out what are you going to do to build around those two guys. Robert Williams had his moments. Marcus Smart, what are you going to do with him? Kemba, how are you going to handle that situation? Because he's got a couple more years left on his deal. So it will be interesting. And of course, the big thing is who are the Celtics looking at hiring? Jason Kidd has been mentioned. He's with the Lakers right now as assistant coach. Lloyd Pierce has been mentioned as a guy. He was the Hawks head coach, was let go earlier in the season. Maybe that's a guy that the Celtics could go after. Maybe the Celtics go after somebody in the college ranks, somebody that has maybe some connections, whether really close connections or loose connections with Brad Stevens. So I'm really going to be Intrigued to see where the Celtics go with this head coaching search. Assuming Brad Stevens is going to be a big part of this coaching search and who they're going to hire. Could they go get somebody like Jay Wright from Villanova? Tony Bennett from Virginia? People that they've talked about going out and getting and hiring in the NBA. But they've said no to the NBA. It's going to be... Uh, Gonna be interesting search to say the least, but this is really big. A story franchise is making a huge change with Ainge stepping down, Stevens taking over, and them hiring a new coach. And maybe a new voice is needed for this team. And I'm really wondering how they're gonna build around those two stars. You got Kim's contract. How do you how do you handle that? I mean, it's a big contract. 
Tatum and Brown, I mean, with their extensions, what are you going to do? How are you going to build around those two guys? You still have some draft capital left. Do you make a run at a, a big-time star? Do you make a run at Bradley Beal or somebody in free agency? Even though we've seen how the free agency stuff works for Boston with Hayward, Kemba. Hasn't worked well. The trade stuff hasn't worked well either with Kyrie. But there's more of a track record with the free agency stuff. So, we'll just have to see as the Celtics enter a new time, new different time with Stevens taking over as president of basketball ops. See how well he does here and see if he can handle this and see if he can do well. I don't think he's going to be able to fleece teams like Ainge did, but you never know. Maybe he learned a few things. So there's the Celtics news, everybody. Of course, the Celtics were eliminated a few days ago by the Brooklyn Nets. And that's going to lead in right to some playoff talk, and let's get right into it. Let's talk about the games last night. As... Three out of the four of the games last night were essentially games in which closeout games, in which teams had a chance to close out other teams. And then we had the Clippers and the Mavericks last night, and we'll get to that one here in a bit. But Philadelphia, they advance, beating Washington last night without Joel Embiid. 129-112. The Embiid stuff is concerning. What's been said, I think it's... I talked about like a slight meniscus tear in that right knee. I think it was the right knee. And so that's going to be a concern. And you really don't get any rest time since you're the number one seed and... Oh, by the way, the teams that you, you would have to face, their series got done. So that's an immediate concern for Philadelphia. Embiid's health, how healthy is he? How serious is this new injury? And if it's something he can play through, or if it's something that he should play through. And... If it's something where he's not going to be able to play through and he's not going to be good to go, uh, Philly's probably going to be done. I don't know if they... uh, We'll have to see if they could beat Atlanta without him, but I don't know. And speaking of Atlanta, Atlanta closing out the Knicks last night, 4-1. I love the chippiness of this whole series, the whole back and forth, even though it was a five-game series. I loved everything going on with this, with the whole trade and trash talking, the next trash talking back, all that's fun. And it closed the door on the next season, in which you really want to see which road they're going to take as far as how they move forward from the season, how they build off of it, what they do, how they build around. It seems like they're. Number one option in Julius Randle now. And props to Julius Randle. Having an amazing season. Winning Boston Proof Player of the Year. 
and just really becoming the player I think a lot of people thought he had the potential of becoming when he was taken sixth overall in 2014 by the Lakers. You know, R.J. Barron made some strides there. D. Rose, it was nice getting some playoff D. Rose again. But he had some young, he has some young players there. It really is going to be interesting to see what the Knicks do. If they got it with them having some cap space, if they do want to go all in and go get the next big star, which maybe they could with things going on with the Clippers, maybe Kawhi could be it, you know? So we'll just have to see which road the Knicks take, if they want to take that road or if they want to continue building what they have here, have some patience and just build around this team, bring some of these guys back, add some more shooting, ball handling, all that stuff. You don't have to worry about the defense, I don't think. You got Tibbs. You got some good defenders there. That's going to take care of itself. Just get some more shooting around there in New York. More ball handling. And I think you're going to be good to go. And But it was nice seeing the Knicks back in the playoffs, even though it was a five-game series. And props to the Hawks for coming out, not backing down, showing a lot of toughness in this series. And moving on to the second round. And this is a Hawks team that uh, I envisioned when they signed all those players with Bogdanovich, Galnari, you know, seeing Hunter and John Collins taking the, the next step, with Capella coming back, see what kind of step Trey Young takes in his first playoff series. So not too shabby to move on to the second round. Then the then the final closeout game with the Utah Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies. Utah wins that one, one twenty six to one ten. Mike Conley didn't play in the second half. What he? <laughs> I'll be straight up honest here. Why did he have to be the guy to get, get slightly banged up? Rumor is right hamstring soreness. He had to deal with something with some tightness in that hamstring a while back. That's something to keep an eye on if you're a Jazz fan, if you're moving on. But fortunately, you're still waiting on the winner of the Dallas and Clippers series. And that series is going six. At least. At max, it's going to go seven if the Clippers can find a way to hold, stave off elimination in game number six. So Utah's going to get a little bit of rest here. And it was a blowout for the most part. Where <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but it seems like from games two to to five from last night, it seemed like the Jazz took the old two K sliders on the three point slider, turned that sucker all the way to a hundred. It's like you know, let's let it fly. It seemed like that this team shot the balls. So incredibly well. I'm not saying they were they shot the ball shot the ball as well as past Golden State teams, but they were shooting it at a really good clip. Really hard for any of them to miss. Good shots, good ball movement, and taking advantage of a young team. Again, this Grizzlies team is the youngest team to make the playoffs since that 2010-2011 Oklahoma City team. So it's a really young team. But 
I think as a Grizzly fan, as someone who went to Game Four and had had a blast being back in a in a playoff series, there there there's some positives that you can take away from this. Number one, I think you got to take away the, one of the positives is Ja and how he performed in this setting. Like, listen, with what he did, 100 points in, in his first three playoff games. Only four players in NBA history have done that. In his first playoff series, he averaged over 30 points a game, eight assists per game, shooting 48, nearly 49% from the field. For a second-year point guard who had a little bit of an injury early on in the season, who missed some time, and for a team that had some COVID stuff come up, that is not too bad. Also, Dylan Brooks. You know, there's good Dylan and bad Dylan and frustrating Dylan. There's three different types. And maybe all three of them show up in one game. But he's really boosted his stock in this playoff as well. 25 points, shooting really well. I think 50% from the field I saw. 40% from three. Guarding the team's best player every night. Not too shabby from him. Both him both him and John over 100 points and their and five playoff games to start out their careers in the in the postseason. Not too bad. And so I think if you take a look at this, this season is a success. You I mean, coming into the series, you know, Jazz are number one seed for a reason. There's a reason why they had the best record in the league. But you stole game one from them, even though there's there's no Mitchell. But but you stole a game. You stole home court right away in game number one of a series after you just came off and beat Golden State. You just beat San Antonio two playing games to get into the spot. And yet you come in, say, screw it. We're coming in here and we're winning game one. So I don't think as far as a first playoff experience, this is too bad. Another plus here. They're ahead of schedule. Now, you may not say this say it this time next year, but as far as what this team has gone through this year and the, the amount of young players that this team has had, they're ahead of schedule. There's some really nice pieces here, and maybe they can package some of these pieces and make a trade to add somebody that can really help these guys going forward. I'm not saying Bradley Beal, even though... It sounds like, now I will say this, and going back to that, uh, the Washington series, it is unfair to kind of ha- ask Bill, what, what does he think about staying at Washington right after that? But he didn't necessarily close the door on wanting out of there. <laughs> so maybe you make a big time trade there. You know, you do have a couple draft picks, one from Utah and one from Golden State in the future. Maybe you trade one of those along with some other pieces. But their head schedule, you had Ja, who just had an amazing playoffs in his second year. Hopefully, you're going to have Jaron, who's fully healthy next year. 
coming back for year number four, essentially year number three, after essentially not playing most of the season. You got you drafted a couple of nice young rookies in Bain and Tillman. You're bringing back Valanchunas, Anderson. Grayson now looks like he can bring you something off the bench. What are you going to, the big question is, what are they going to do about Justice Winslow? I feel like Winslow might have helped in a couple situations in this playoff. If you put him on, on defense, tell him, hey, go guard one of these guys. Winslow can guard. He, he's a guy that can play some defense. So there are some positives to take a look at. And I think one thing me and Jace have been talking about is that this team kept on fighting. Like, even last night, like, crap, they were down by over 30. They still found a way to make it a 16-point loss. And looking at all the games besides last night's game, all the games have been fairly close. That they fought, and the Grizzlies showed how, how young and green they are, and Jazz just really showed their experience and their chemistry. And how they work as a team with all the veteran experience they have there. Lane games. And it showed. But I think there's a lot of things to be excited about if you're this Grizzly team. They fight, they fight, they fight. It's a core part of the, the DNA of the, of the franchise. Dating back 10 years ago to when that team made the playoffs. So, all in all... This is going to help them. This is going to help them. They got some battle scores now. They got a taste of the playoffs. They want more of it. And they pretty much said the same thing last night. A lot of them did. Saying, we're going to be back. We're going to be back. And it'll be interesting offseason to see if they do make a big move. What moves do they make in the drafts? What will they do with Winslow? What improvements can some of these guys make? Jaron, just stay healthy. Get stronger. Work on your game. Ja, same thing. You know, there's not a whole lot of things that Ja needs to work on necessarily. He's got a floater game down pat. Again, work on the free throws and three-point shooting. Although, later on in the season, he did show that he could knock down some threes. And it seems like he's working on it. Last night, I think he knocked down five threes, which is what he did against Golden State in that playing game. So, that's a nice little development. Maybe he can keep it going. And if, I'll tell you this, if Jock can get a three-point game going, I'll say this to the league. Good luck. <laughs> With a guy that shows no fear, that has the same Westbrook mentality, and all that stuff, watch out. So, all in all, there are some positives you can take away from this. But Utah, obviously the better team. Best team in best record in the league for a reason and they move on and they're waiting who wins Dallas and the Clippers and the Clippers they made it a series they came back down 2-0 no team home team has won a game in the series and last night they said that stays true to form with Dallas pulling out a five-point victory Kawhi airballing shot there at the end you got the Rondo reaction that's going to be the new LeBron and JR meme and you just have Luka just casually dropping 42, 14 assists, 8 rebounds. I don't know what else you can say about the guy. I mean, it was just phenomenal. In 43 minutes of work, 
he's battled through some injuries during this first round. Probably looked good last night. <laughs> he looked pretty good last night. And so Dallas, they're going back home. And if things stay the way that they are in this series with the, with the trends, we're going to a game seven. And probably Dallas is going to win that at, L, at L.A. So Dallas, they take a 3-2 series lead over the Clippers. And both the L.A. teams are on the brink of elimination. And boy, oh boy. What an interesting time to be an L.A. sports fan with those teams. Now, you got Denver. You got Portland last night. Shout out to Dame for just having 55 points, 12 three-point field goals made. Just absolutely making everything. Making clutch shots everywhere on the floor. And now he's got a, a home game, possibly the last game of the season, to try to keep Portland in it as they're down... 3-2 to two to Denver. I really don't know what to make of Denver at this point. Even if they do move past Portland, they do win tonight. Of course, you got to rely on Joker. But if Joker's not feeling it that night, where are you going to get it from? Porter? Is he going to show up? Aaron Gordon? There's talk. Will Barton may be getting close to coming back. Where are you going to get a lot of your scoring from? And then Phoenix and the Lakers. Chris Paul, he's been a little bit banged up, but the Suns blasted the Lakers in game number five. Take a 3-2 series lead. No AD. That's a concern. And it's still a concern. Still don't know if he's going to be playing in tonight's game. And this is a really crucial game for LeBron and the Lakers down 3-2. You gotta hope for more out of your backcourt. KCP, Schroeder, they gotta at least score something. You gotta get something from Drummond. Kuzma's gotta show up. Especially if there's no AD. But even if there is AD, it's going to be hard. Because he's not gonna be 100%. Crap. I know nobody's 100%, but AD's really not gonna be 100% if he plays in this game. So this is a prime opportunity for Phoenix to go into L.A. and to close the series out at Staples. This is a big time for him. I will see if the moment's a little bit too big for him and if LeBron can do what Luka did. I think we all expected LeBron to do what Luka did in Game 5. It didn't happen. He's going to have to do what Luka did in this game. And you're just going to have to hope that some of these players for the Lakers, like KCP, Schroeder, Kuzma, Drummond, can show up tonight and keep the season alive. So, that's where the playoffs stand at the moment. Uh, of course, in a good development the last couple nights, there's been no fan involvement has been a big issue these first few games of the playoffs. With Westbrook getting popcorn dumped on his head, Trey Young getting spit on, fan running into the court for the Wizards game. Yeah, the situation with Josh's family and a few Utah fans. Also, props to Utah for handling the 
handling that the way they did. The Celtics fan throwing the water bottle at Kyrie, uh, narrowly missing him. Thankfully, it's not the last couple nights. But I'm betting it's not going to be the last time we're going to see something with the fans in the playoffs, in this playoffs at least. Maybe it's just being us being locked in too much that people have forgotten how to behave. I don't know. It, it, it's weird. Just just behave. Just sit still. We're back in same, so we're getting closer to normal. Sports are starting to feel normal. Life's starting to feel a little bit more normal here. Just behave. Come on. It's not that hard. And you know, with the way the NBA's been doing these things, lifetime ban, I don't know, maybe you find some of these, some of these fans to where... I don't know what you do if you're the NBA. You got to figure something out. But hopefully nothing like this happens again. I'm willing to pet that there's going to be at least one more type of incident with the fan that's going to happen. But trying to be hopeful here that hopefully nothing else is going to happen throughout the rest of these playoffs. That these fans have learned their lesson. That they're not going to try anything more at this point. Please. (laughs) So... There's the NBA playoffs, everybody. And I think, yeah, I think that is it for what at least I have on my notes for the show today. So that'll do it for us here, everybody. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the playoffs as I am. That you you are ready for the second round as I am as well. And go check out the pod on where where you guys get your podcasts. SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Anchor. Thanks to Anchor for sponsoring this episode for for the show, for the entertainment episodes. Be sure to check us out on Twitter as well, 573Pods there. Be sure to check out all the action coming out there. The links to the to this pod will be out there in a, once I get done finishing this pod, getting it uploaded. Same thing with a possible entertainment pod. Again, I'm going to see Corella later today. Bark seen a Quiet Place Part 2. Give some thoughts on that. And a couple other things that are happening in the entertainment world with AMC looking at making some big moves. And so look out for that coming out tomorrow. And hopefully we'll have a view spot next week. If not, we'll be back in a couple weeks and talking about what's going on in the second round of the NBA playoffs and any other news that may pop up in the meantime that we need to talk about. So with that said, everybody, hopefully you guys are doing well, still staying safe. Until then, we'll talk to you next time.